and welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other. We've done it. We're back. It's another edition of Fairway Rollin' the Golf Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House, on the line as has been the case for what feels like 10 years now, even though it's not even been... 10 months. Nathan Hubbard, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground. What's up, Nate Dog? Is that good or bad? Um, I I meant to convey it as a compliment because of how comfortable uh the conversations ha- have been. We are like two old uh housewives now, I think maybe. I, I don't mean it. that in a way to to suggest there's anything wrong with two old housewives. Just I, comfortable. I, I love it. Yeah. And uh it's Halloween week. And we saw two zombies on the golf course at the Zozo this past week. <laughs> and we're going to see a bunch of freaks on the golf course in Bermuda this week. So it's perfect timing. What a setup. Yeah. So this week's edition of Fairway Rolling, we have the Zozo Championship in our rear view mirror. It's a miracle that Phil Mickelson did not finish dead effing last, although he tried his best. We have, looking forward, the Bermuda Championship this week in Bermuda. And then, Nathan, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I don't know if you checked the calendar. We are taping this on Tuesday, October the 27th. By my count, that puts us about two weeks and two days from the onset of a certain golf tournament down in Augusta, Georgia. Fall at the Masters. Fall at the Masters. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rollin' presented by FanDuel. Major season is here and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets, download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI, it's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With the added bonus of all this ESPN headway, including college game day. Physically at at Augusta National. If you told me that Augusta National was going to host College Game Day and also the Augusta National Women's Amateur Tournament, 
like four years ago, I would have told you no way was Augusta actually going to start reaching out to broaden the game. But here they are. Wow. I mean, I, that what a, what a calm response. I would have expected you to say, can I please have some of those gummies? That's the that's what I would have anticipated you asking for from me. Fair enough. Uh, it would have been a double gummy house moment for sure. Well, speaking of double gummies and and zombies, let's talk about the Zozo uh, because Patrick Cantlay came from pretty far back. Not you know he's top ten entering the round, but he came out went kind of lights out and snatched the Zozo championship away from two guys that sit at the very tippy top of the world golf rankings, Justin Thomas and John Rahm, uh, who are all dueling with with Dustin Johnson right now for the number one overall ranking in the whole entire world on planet Earth. Uh, And yet it was Cantlay um, who just went out and took the tournament. I have mixed feelings about this, and I don't know if we should talk about Cantlay first. Or if we should talk about JT first. And I don't know why Rom's performance didn't make me as emotional and passionately upset as JT's performance did. Because they both should have won this golf tournament. I mean, nobody, including the players who were walking off midway through Sunday, thought there was a chance when those guys made the turn that this number wasn't going to go to 25, 26, maybe even 27. But both Rom and JT played the back in even par, which is just inexcusable on a course that was defenseless with five, uh, sorry, three par fives, three par threes, the green super soft. We had the first drizzle in LA since February on Sunday. And those guys just kept it in neutral while Patrick Cantlay went around and made it happen. We have talked a lot about how it has been weird to see Patrick Cantlay not really showing up a whole lot since the restart. And we just have been sort of perplexed by it. He's had these good rounds that have been interspersed by the, you know, the weird 73 that he shot at at Shriners on Sunday, uh, even though he finished T8 there, you know. Uh, But this was the week when he just strung all the rounds together and shot the best round of the day on Sunday and won it. So I have two things to say to you, three things to say to you. In the first place, Cantlay himself was interviewed immediately after the round, and then he sat down with the Gulf uh, Central guys also, Brandel and I can't remember who it was, maybe Steve Burkowski, I don't remember. No offense. Uh, But what Patrick said was, I have been playing pretty good. I've been having these decent rounds uh, over the last, you know, four or five tournaments, but not stringing four of them together. And yeah. that is exactly the self-evident uh, analysis that you and I engaged in and applied in looking at him. I have one other thing to say about Patrick Cantley, though. I, I, I really stumbled upon something that I feel like is going to help us make more sense out of him. And it's this. I really feel like he would make a lot more sense to the world if his first name was Howard. If his name was Howard Cantlay. I just, the Patrick Cantlay thing, it's not quite, it doesn't capture the, the ethos of, 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 of Cantlay. And why just, does Howard? Well, think about all the Howards in your life. Do you Stern. have any? Stern? Howard Stern. Well, that's, that is one Howard but he's not really in your life. 
I mean, Howard's. Have you met a Howard? I know one who's an OBGYN. Right. Now we're talking. See, this is exactly what I'm getting at. In my life, all of the Howards that I've encountered are professional people with professional pedigrees. Now, I don't want to necessarily uh, just do this broad sweeping Howard categorization categorization and stereotyping, and yet that's exactly what I'm going to do. I just feel like Cantlay would make more sense if he was Howard. And then if we wanted to be a little bit playful with it, you know, when it's my tie Cantlay, like he did at at the, uh, not at the Sony, at the Champions of, event in Hawaii, where he and the caddy were talking about the Mai Tais they're going to enjoy. Then right. he becomes Howie. Then he's Howie Cantlay. That's that's the party Cantlay. The Howard Cantlay is the guy that comes on and says, I couldn't string four rounds together. And we all say, duh, we've been watching it, bro. We know. We know that, Howard. Uh, and then Howie is my Thai guy. You, you, you feel what I'm dropping? I, I, I understand your point. I just wonder if we're changing the wrong name because his last name starts with the word can't. So <laughs> I feel like we never give him his due because of that. But we'll call him Howie Cantlay from now on. I'm in. I, it's, I'm just trying to come up with a way for us to, to, to make some sense out of, out of him. I, I, there is no way. I mean, look, he was 32nd at Memorial, 35th at FedEx St. Jude's Memphis, 43rd at the PGA. He missed the cut at the Northern Trust where DJ shot 30 under. Uh, he was T43 at the U.S. Open. I, I, and then last week at Shadow Creek, he was T38. He shot a 67 on Sunday, which looked at, but you just didn't see it really coming. And that's golf. That's golf. That's how he can't lay golf, I guess. Maybe so. Okay. Well, let's just try it. If you don't like it, we don't have to stick by it. We can come up with something else. I'm in for it. I just... The, what doesn't sit great with me about what was a terrific tournament, and we have to say, these you know these these no cut field tournaments have been terrific in sussing out the best golfer in the moment. I mean, it was a great leaderboard uh, coming into the last day. It was a major feeling leaderboard. Like if you showed me that leaderboard entering Sunday, and even at the end of the Sunday, because honestly, Howard Cantlay can win a major tournament. We've been talking about it for three years now. But like that, that was very much, you know, the best players in the world sans DJ because he's home with the COVID. But they, they, they make this turn on Sunday and you're thinking for sure we've got a hell of a, a hell of a run coming. JT's three under, he's got three par fives to play. You know, he's probably going to end up 26, 27. I mean, you got to figure he's going to play the back in four under. And it didn't feel like a major on the back, which is the player's fault because the course was there. It was gettable. It was in great shape. All of their peers were sort of jockeying for position. And JT and Rom play the back in even par. And even Cantlay, I got to believe... And I don't know if he talked about this uh, when they when they sat him down for the interview. I didn't I didn't hear that because I was I was at the course coming back from it. Uh, even Cantlay had to think he'd lost the tournament when he bogeyed 16, which was a totally gettable par five. And and you know he'd made a nice little run, but behind him Thomas and Rom were going to go through and, and and close it out, and they just didn't. And what we saw from JT is the same thing that we've seen from JT these last times he's had a 54-hole lead, right? He's now 8 for 14 as a 54-hole leader or co-leader. That's 
perfectly respectable. He had the 36 hole lead. He's, he, he's now six for 11. But he's 0 for 3 in his last uh, 54 hole leads. He's 2 for his last six. And what we saw on 10, 11, and 13, 12 is a par 3, we saw the exact same slappy block right that has jumped up in some of these other tournaments that have cost him uh, or where he, where he almost where he almost lost, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and, and so, so 10, he blocks it right. 11, par 5 does the same thing. 13, he's over in the Golf Channel uh, temporary setup in the dirt outline for the second day in a row. And at that point, he's missed two of the three par 5 opportunities on the back. He didn't deserve to win. I, I don't totally get it. What he said afterwards, and this is where we got to figure it out, House is he said he just isn't getting the adrenaline rush without the fans to dial in and focus. And that's mm. the first time, I, I have to tell you, that's the first time I've seen somebody really point the finger in that direction. I watched him all week. He had a very, very serious demeanor. He didn't look like he was having a lot of fun out there, I have to say. He was wiping his nose and sn- and like sniffling a lot. So I felt like maybe he was a little bit under the weather and and, and again the weather was like unseasonably cool and and damp, which is by the way preview going to be the only silver lining uh case you can make as to why we shouldn't feel like Tiger and Phil are complete zombies. But but I think Thomas didn't look like he was having a lot of fun. And then after his rounds on 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 uh, Friday and Saturday, you thought, well, he must just be locked in. But he just wasn't there on the back, and I don't get it. Well, and, and the stats bear out exactly what you're observing. Uh, had the one-stroke lead entering Sunday, and then had his worst performance of the week on Sunday in both strokes gained tee to green and in strokes gained putting. He ended up on the on Sunday, 48th in strokes gain tee to green and 37th in strokes gain putting. So he just ended up as mediocre Justin. And I'm glad that you mentioned this has been a theme of ours going all the way back to the workday event where Colin Morikawa, uh, you know, beat him out uh, down the stretch through a a, uh, a playoff and some scintillating. Crazy putting and yelling. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, the thing with JT has been, now he did hang on in Memphis and he closed it out there. For the number of times he's been around the hoop, we keep seeing these back nine, you know, where we started off by complimenting Howard Cantlay on going out and grabbing the tournament, right? Even with the bogey on 16, he still shot 65 on Sunday. That's going out and and grabbing For the sure. tournament. Where is JT on this? I don't know. Yeah. He's not he's not sure. I mean a 69 reasonable on that course, that's a that's below what the field, you know, certainly below what the field shot on Friday. I don't know what the final average was on Sunday, but 3 under he was 3 under at the turn. So th- that was a round that should have been a 66, 67, 65. And he takes a two-shot lead and, and, and wins by two. That, that's Justin Thomas. And something isn't firing. And I don't know. By the way, when he won, Bones was on the bag. So I don't know if there's a caddy dynamic. I don't know if it... I mean, to his, to his, um, in his defense, it is ghostly out at these tournaments. There's nobody there. And, and the PGA 
gets credit for really being very firm about the bubble. I mean, there were no family members on, on site this week. You know, there were people hanging out on balconies of houses that were far away, but, but there was nobody on this course. And you have to believe that as they're going through these canyons and it's quiet, there just isn't the same amount of energy. Uh, and that's a testament to just how fun it is to, to be out there, you know, as a fan on the course. But I just, I, I think um, there's something with this guy that, because it's not like he just, I, the, the block rights on the drive are the thing that are, are just coming consistent. And look, every guy has a miss, right? And they know it. But we're seeing it too often. And by the time he reins it in, it's too late and the tournament's over. This is a guy who right now could probably be sitting on, I don't know, 15 wins, 13 wins. Well, and, and you know, our homie Justin Ray made the observation there was a missed opportunity for JT. He would have been the third youngest player since World War II to win 14 times on the PGA Tour. Third yeah, youngest you since World War II. And, he, and the guys that he would have been behind are Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods. Yeah. So that's a level of company that he is, you know, he's in that conversation, but like, and it's not just that he's slapping the ball right on Sundays, it's the back nine. That's where we're seeing the slap rights. And, and this is all nitpicking because this is, we just, we want this guy to achieve everything he's capable of. And maybe he's going to start to hear a little bit of the criticism because there are articles from a year ago that said, this guy is nails. He's proving himself to be the best closer in golf. And his stats are still terrific. So again, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here. But Justin Thomas has let a couple tournaments get away uh, that a lot of the great ones have that sort of killer instinct. And it was interesting to hear him transparently say, I'm just not getting the energy that, that's keeping me focused out there. So you wonder if he's going to start to hear a little bit of the blowback and if that'll help as he heads into Augusta. Because he needs a, a, a fire. Well, you just made that observation. You were there. Did you go all four rounds? I was there, yeah. Yeah, so you you uh, can can give testament to how sort of quiet it was. And it did seem like um, there was a, a level of uh, serious that was different from, you know, kind of, I don't mean to, to say run-of-the-mill events, but this was a 78-player event. So there's no issue about uh, getting around the golf course uh, in an orderly and speedy way, notwithstanding continued five-hour rounds from guys. But the the atmosphere, the, the, the television broadcast, they did, because of, of how much time JT and Rom were getting on camera, there were lots and lots of, of you know, the seven-second delay coming into play because <laughs> those guys were, were hitting balls and expressing their displeasure. And, you know, the, the good folks at Golf Channel were, I guess it was... Uh, an NBC production, uh, you know, Tommy Roy is, I think that's who it is. He, who, uh, you know, we're on the delay button hard. Uh, happy happy trigger Sunday. finger on the mute button. Yeah, 100%. It, 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 look, it was a course that made these guys think that the rough was really tough out there. And that was really, as we said, the only defense. So guys who didn't hit the fairways struggled. And, and we just, again, we're not really given as much to ROM here. Um, who you could argue has even more pressure coming into Augusta because it's getting high time for this guy to show up and win a major. Um, but, uh, you know, there's just something about JT who who feels like I, I want him to break out and be the guy. 
And it is frustrating to see him allowing himself to stay amongst his also great peers. Because you can see that it's in JT. He's just going to have to find that next gear. Uh, and and he's going to distance himself from from those those other players who we consider to be, you know, in the upper echelon right now. It is kind of funny. He has replaced Jordan Spieth for us in terms of that young talent. And, it, it, you know, Spieth is a peer of his who, you know, Spieth to the, to the uh, you know, to differentiate him from JT, Spieth went out and got all those majors kind of really all, all at once. I mean, there was a legit conversation about Spieth winning the Grand Slam uh, in what was it, 2014? Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, JT has been the more consistent over the, over that time, um, and has you know been around the uh, the the hoop and continues to be around the hoop with a with a, a kind of relentless tenacity. I would say um, that that has us you know wanting more, which is kind of perverse because he is within percentage points of on the on the official World Golf ranking of being you know, number one in the world. And yet we we're, we want a little bit more from him. Yeah. Look, a guy like Morikawa, he's been nowhere the past couple of weeks. And and Morikawa, I think for his Tell greatest, me about it. I had some I had some money on him this week. Yeah. And 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 you know, we stat floating out there that basically in the past year, uh JT is second, Morikawa is third in you know, shots gained approach per round. But JT has been around the hoop a million more times than Morikawa, even though Morikawa won the PGA and even though he won the workday. Like, JT has just been consistently showing up. So all credit to, to, to him in terms of that level of consistency. But there is that added gear on the back nine on Sunday that it's not that he doesn't have. We've seen him use it before. But we, we want him to put his foot on the throat of the tournament and go win it. Yeah, well, I think uh, that's kind of enough on, on JT. Uh, we're going to have a referendum on this in two weeks down in Augusta, Georgia, and we know how much it means to him and how much it means to you know the guys he's going up against. You know, he's got the PGA Championship, which is a, a fine title to have, and and you know a fine major, but like in the rankings of majors, that ain't the one at the top, and it's also not the one to have only only one of. And so if you're really going to start doing some legacy building, uh, no time like the present with uh, Augusta, Georgia in, in, in two weeks. Speaking of Augusta, Georgia in two weeks and speaking of zombies, you've mentioned a couple times, you got to see up close and in person both Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods at Sherwood. And really, there's nothing to say about either one of them as it relates to their performance at that golf tournament. I mean, they both finished worse than Jazz Jane Wattenond, who is probably the world's largest manipulator of world rankings. Uh, and listen, he's better at golf than you or I are, but but when you're finishing behind Jazz, it's not good. Uh, Phil was Phil was really grinding this week. He was on the range a lot. He had his his coach Andrew Getson was there, and they were working hard. Um, but he also was. You know, the first hole on that course is a 335-yard par four and with a little bit of a dog leg to the left. And only a few guys even flirted with hitting driver, depending on where the tees were each day. But that first day, 
there's Phil who's playing with Rory and he's he's on the range and he's hitting these swoopy, slappy, fading drivers that are super high and they're just they're just flying off the, the, the range into the hillside. And Rory, who's walking over to the first tee, stops and like super quizzically has his head sort of turned to the side like when your dog looks at you confused about something you're doing. And he's watching Phil and after a while he goes, what are you doing? And Phil goes, I'm thinking about hitting driver on one. And Rory sort of chortles and goes, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hit a four iron. And Phil goes, no, look. And he hits another one and it just careams off into the hill. And so Rory starts chuckling, walks away and turns around and says, I'm going to hit four iron. Sure enough, Phil steps up on one and takes out the driver and puts it dead left into the tree outline. Like he just, uh, he, it was just a classic Phil moment where he's not going to compromise. He's going to do what he does. He doesn't care. And it felt like this week in the best of circumstances. He's trying on a new driver, trying to figure out what he's going to do at Augusta, and that this was basically four practice rounds with his coach in tow. They were on the range before the round. They were on the range after the round. He's working hard. I just would have liked to see a little more out of his game. Well, he was in the bottom five in both uh, driving accuracy and one other driving stat. I, I don't have it in front of me, but he was he was literally terrible off the tee and you made the point he was he tried a 47 and a half inch driver that um he was specifically testing for the masters uh golf yeah. magazine reporting that and i guess my my question is wh why what is he doing what is it about his ability to compete at, at, down in augusta that he thinks that that you know that that ball speed that distance component of it is is what's going to be the thing that that lets him be competitive. I mean, I, I, there's nothing that we've seen out of him this entire calendar year that suggests that he can play with these young guys. I couldn't believe it. My little um, wagering site had a matchup available to me that I was allowed to put Abraham answer straight up against Phil Mickelson. I had to pay quite a bit of juice. It was like minus 240 or 250 or maybe even 260. But I wish I had gone and borrowed some money. I wish we we had a, a rich friend in common. We should have all been on Abraham answer against Phil Mickelson because Abe went out and beat him by 15 strokes. I like I was kind of stunned that there was anybody offering any odds whatsoever in a head-to-head -head matchup with Phil. The only he only beat three people. A Abe shot 77 on Saturday and still won. By 15 strokes. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, again, I, look, Phil hit driver on nine. And guys throughout the course were like, hey, did you hear Phil hit driver on nine? There's zero, first of all, the landing area is like seven yards wide. So at best, this was Phil just practicing for Augusta. But to your, to your question, why? I think this distance and length for Phil is about career lengthening. I, I think he has made, uh, you know, we've talked about a number of times on this pod, Phil is more of a marketer now and more of a businessman and a brand than he is a seriously competitive golfer, but he's got to be out there doing his thing and bombs are part of his thing. And I think he understands in watching Bryson, we heard him talk a lot about uh, watching Bryson and talking to Bryson, you know, around the U.S. Open. Um, 
you know, I think he believes that the only way he's going to be able to extend this another three, four, five, six, seven, eight years is if he can keep driving the ball far and just rely on the rest of his short game, which he hopes doesn't dissipate in his age, to to hang in there and still be a presence so he can sell coffee. See, I, I agree with you. And what's curious to me is the best way for him to make the most out of that platform to maximize the master's performance is to make the effing cut. And he ain't going to make the cut smashing the ball. Now, even at Augusta, Georgia, where you do not have to be accurate with the driver, there's tons of examples of it. He put, will put himself in position if, if the Sherwood experience is any indication where he cannot scramble and, and, and save par and can't scramble into birdies at Augusta National. And he will be going home from Augusta National the exact same way he has the last couple of years. We're going to find out. What I can say is it's not going to be because he didn't put in the work. Uh, for all of the goofiness of slapping you know, fades into the hillside on the range, he was working very, very hard. He had all the equipment out. He had the coach out. They were pretty seriously grinding on the putting green, on the range all week. So he's going to try to get that game into shape. I don't think we're going to see him again until Augusta. So uh, who knows what two weeks does. Well, speaking of trying to get a game in shape, let's go ahead and do this week in Tiger Woods. Tiger! Tiger! Tiger Woods! So Tiger sucked, uh, and that's been kind of a theme really since he started competing in professional golf again, since the restart, um, you know, the, the, the finishes haven't been good. His best tournament, uh, since he started playing again, was a tie for 37th at the PGA championship. He missed the cut at the U S open in each of the six tournaments he's played. He's never been closer than eight shots through 36 holes. This is all from a nice story by ESPN's Bob Herrig. Uh, but, you know, I don't know what to make of Tiger as we sit here right now. I don't have high hopes. I don't know what there is other than the magic of Augusta and other than the long-storied career of Tiger Woods taking doubters like me and shoving it right where the sun don't shine. I mean, other than those kind of, you know, very soft considerations, I don't know what there is to give anybody any encouragement about where Tiger is and where he's headed. When we look at his career from the 30,000 foot, you know, distance of time, I think we're going to look at the Tiger Slam. We're going to look at the U.S. Open on a broken leg. And we're going to look at his last Masters win as three absolutely of the greatest achievements of his career. I, I think we don't quite yet understand just how hard it was for him to do what he did and why it was such a gift to see. The problem is he's been sucking in different ways. I mean, he put the ball really well this week. I watched him. Like, he looked good on the greens, but he was awful with his irons. Just awful. And at least in some of the other sucky starts, he gave us a little bit of promise because we knew... He was striking the ball pretty well. It just was, he, he just couldn't seem to make any putts. That's how it felt at Harding Park, for example. But, but I, I don't know what, this is, and this is, we, we alluded to earlier, the only thing I can say is it was in the 50s and 60s, and it was wet. 
And Sunday in particular, it was actually uh, drizzling and, and raining through most of his round lightly. So maybe you could chalk it up to that uh, and that the body just didn't go so well. That's not encouraging. What you just described is a very, very possible weather condition for, uh, you know, Georgia, that part of Georgia in three weeks, two and a half weeks. Yeah, there wasn't a good logical end to that line, but (laughs) I'm just looking for things to grasp at because I actually was surprised. This is a course that he should be competitive on, not just because he had his event there and he's done it before, but again, not that long. Par fives that are totally gettable. And, you know, sort of second shot golf course and a bunch of greens that he does know. So this is a course where he should have been competitive and he just wasn't. We'll just have to take him and his legacy and say you you never can rule him out at the Masters. Uh, And especially, you know that he won't have any problem with motivation. You know that he is going to host, the news came out, he is going to host the Champions Dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to do it uh, downstairs in a, in a bigger portion of the clubhouse where they can socially distance. And, and uh, their observation is that a lot of the older winners um, will likely skip it because of you know concerns about everybody's well-being, their own uh, most prominently. But uh, just like the, the magic of him setting foot on those grounds and him that the... the uh, ineffable comfort that he experiences there. That's like the thing I guess we have to invest in if we're well, hoping for big things out of him. Well, we we asked this question, you know, a couple months ago, and let's just revisit it now. I'm sure head-to-head Tiger versus Phil in two weeks that Tiger will be slightly favored. Do you agree? Uh, I'll look at the odds right now while while we're talking. I mean... Phil, Phil should be legions behind Tiger. He should be, if if Tiger's in the low 20 to 1 odds to win this tournament, Phil shouldn't be anywhere under 45. But but depending on the odds, you might bet Phil if you get good enough odds because I, I'm not sure who's going to be playing better in two weeks. Let me tell you this right now. I am not betting Phil. I'm going to bet Phil to absolutely positively miss the cut at, at the Masters. He. To his great credit, has found his place, which is on the Champions Tour. And he should keep playing those events and keep kicking everybody's ass. He's in the headlines in the way that he wants to be by going out and and competing at, at those venues. And it makes it interesting. It makes that Champions Tour slightly more interesting to have the headline name there. But like he there's no way Phil Mickelson is making the cut at the Masters in, in, in calendar year 2020. That's that's just Joe House. And I can't wait to have, you know, this freezing cold take shoved Save right back tape. in my face. That's it. Save the tape, Stevie. But I just, I just don't see it. He just can't compete with these guys. The problem isn't that he can't play efficient golf and be effective. He just can't beat, you know, uh, uh, 60 or 62 of these guys or be within 10 strokes of the lead. He just can't do it. Well, the anecdote, the anecdote there is I saw him play 17 uh, when he was playing with Rory one of the days, and he had a horrible tee shot that he got up out of the crap, and he had like a 35-footer that he sort of accidentally made. And as he went to get the ball out of the hole, he said, you know, Rory would be embarrassed by that three. Not me. I'm proud of it. 
<laughs> of course. Of course, that's exactly what he should say. And he's telling the truth. So, Tiger, I'm looking at the odds right now. Tiger's available at 28 to 1, which actually feels like a tiny bit of... I mean, if you believe in the magic, right? If you believe in the magic, you, that might be worth the play. And I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm looking for Phil. Guess what he's available at right now, Nathan Hubbard? Tell me. 70 to 1, which is exactly where he belongs. There's no yeah. chance... I mean, I you know, it's probably negative odds for him. Uh, you have to l- l- lay some juice for him to make the cut. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, if you if you want to bet Phil to miss the cut, you're going to have to give some money to Vegas to place that wager. Well, he's working hard, so it'll be a lot of work to miss the cut. Let's see what happens. Well, speaking of of working hard, uh, we're going to talk about Bermuda in a second, but I we, we have to do a little bit of a dive into your own LA experience. You had the tour in your backyard. You were hosting a couple professional golfers at the at the Hubbard Lair, and I just have one question for you. What did you feed Joel Damon? Because JD played some damn good golf, buddy. He did. He played great golf. And, uh, you know, I was proud of him. He, he, he had a bad, like uh, that course, that course, again, it, 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 it was there for the carving. And, and Friday, I think he shot a 70. It wasn't clear whether he had it this week and he just shifted it into gear, shot 65, 67. And when it was all over, uh, Gino, his caddy went to target and bought themselves some Grinch costumes and we had dinner in Grinch costumes. He played good. He shot 65-67 over the weekend. He took his FedEx Cup position up by 75 slots. He finished inside the top 10. And the way that they celebrated was his caddy went to Target and bought Grinch costumes and brought them back to your house and they put on the Grinch costume. Is that yeah. what I'm is that what you're telling me? That's the sequence of events? Yeah, I wouldn't say the night ended there, but it started there. <laughs> <laughs> what the what are you talking about? What, what the f, f we have an explicit label on this on this podcast, but what the f are you talking about? It, 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 Why <laughs> did 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 the caddy go to Target? Why did he pick a costume? Why are they getting costumes? Is, 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 is it the Halloween spirit? I don't know. It's the beauty of Joel Damon and, and his caddy, Gino. And uh, those, are, those are two, those dudes are just different, man. They live, they live life the right way. And uh, yeah, that's how they celebrated. They put on the Grinch costumes and we, uh, we had dinner and, and then some. <laughs> it was dinner with wine, as, <laughs> as gentlemen might when they're in, in Grinch costumes. Joel's more of a tequila guy, but... Um, oh, sure. Of course he is in his Grinch costume. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 36 hours later, I'm still recovering and uh, the Grinch costume went with him. I think he had a business meeting on Monday uh, that he was maybe going to wear the costume to. But man, look, Joel's a cancer survivor, so he lives life right. He yep. knows every yep. day matters and uh, he appreciates the good things in life and uh, he's got a caddy who supports him in that and it was fun to fun to have him and some other guys around this week. Tip of the hat to JD. Get, getting it done every which way and living life his own way. That's all. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply this episode is brought to you by jiffy lube cars can be a big investment so it's important to take care of them i once got a car that i started out with twenty five thousand miles on i got it to over two hundred thousand miles because i took care of it you know how you take care of a car you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Well, from, from that, I mean, I, we have nowhere to go but Bermuda, <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. It and does. It, and Tiger it, oh. and Phil were zombies. We just talked about costumes. It's Halloween week. It is and, Halloween week. And now we got the freak show that is the lineup at this Bermuda. If you're trying to bet it, I, I mean, uh, who is playing this tournament this week, House? I mean, best of luck to you if you're trying to bet it. We we observed earlier in the year that sometimes you can get some opportunities and there will be some head-to-heads that I am going to play this week when I sit down and get serious uh, about the research. But it is it is a real weirdo factor field. It just has a lot of different guys from a lot of different walks of life coming together. Now, Bermuda, I don't I haven't checked the weather yet. They do. It's going to be windy, windy. Yes, and I've played this venue. This is a, an actual tour stop that that I have set foot on. I I could be the PGA Tour correspondent on the ground. It's hilly, uh, and it's all the defense of the golf course. It's short uh, with giant greens, so all the defense of the golf course is the wind, um, and there and it's it's very exposed. There's lots yeah, we're and lots we're and lots looking at twenty to thirty mile an hour winds uh, for the last three days of the tournament, so it's going to be blowing. 
so that that means uh, we'll, we'll go through. Let's talk about some of of the the, the curious um, entrants. The most curious to me is is Fred Funk, uh, who's playing <laughs> w- w- with his son, um, who's a you know uh, uh, an esteemed golfer out of the University of Texas, I believe. Taylor Funk played at Texas. Is that right? But Fred Funk is 64 years old. Yeah. He's been playing on the champions tour for 14 years. He just likes Bermuda, I guess. I mean, it's a great vacation if you can get there. And, uh, but it just falls in this area of the schedule this year where nobody who's going to play the masters except defending champion, Brandon Todd, uh, of this tournament, not the masters. And a few of the older, uh, previous winners are, are, uh, of the Masters are playing this thing. I mean, it, nobody's playing this tournament. I mean, it's got a, a, a really healthy mix of guys that have spent a lot of time on the Corn Ferry Tour, guys looking to rekindle. And by the way, you know, shout out to Brendan Todd and shout out to the guys that are in this position. Danny Willett, by the way, is playing this golf tournament, speaking of former major winners. Speaking of go. former Masters winners. Masters winners, 100%. Um, but, you know, guys that might be looking for something, trying to find something. And Brendan Todd is is the poster child for this because his win at this event really catapulted him into a career stretch that's been unparalleled for him and for many, many other uh, professional golfers. He's been on a tear. So it's nice to have this, this moment to revisit uh, Brendan Todd's achievement and the string that he's been on. And we hope that it continues. Well, and there are some guys, I mean, we're, we're, we're making fun only because there are some outliers that you see in a diluted field tournament like this that are, that are sort of, fun. for us, it's fun. We love it. And there actually are a couple of stories to watch down here this week uh, because there are a couple of people who've been just hovering underneath the radar who are going to be in this tournament. The, Will Zalatoris is the most obvious, and he's clearly along with Brendan Todd, the favorite this week, but Will's just a few points away from getting his sort of special temporary membership. But more than that, he's been finishing top 10 all up and down the board on, 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 in these tournaments. And, and this is a guy who we're sort of waiting to break through and get his first win. Uh, and he's not even on tour officially yet. So really interesting Everything story about that him. makes sense. Can you yeah. help me make sense out of Paul Stankowski playing in this event? <laughs> Tommy Two Gloves yeah. is in this event. Yeah. Look, there's a lot. And and but this is this is how it goes. The winner of this tournament is, you know, gonna gonna lock up a card for basically two years and get into a bunch of great stuff going forward. So you gotta show up to to have a chance. And and there are some guys who uh, you know, as we look through that fall schedule, we've been joking about how some of the older guys won those tournaments. But there were a few guys who blipped up on the radar screen as playing decently, right? Uh, uh, Christopher Ventura is an example of a guy. Yes, Christopher. He, he, it, say it, it with the accent so everybody knows who the hell you're talking I, about. I, I don't know how to say it with a Norwegian <laughs> accent, but I do know... I don't know, either. I just used a Spanish accent. I, you did. I, I do know that he finished T7 in Napa at the Safeway and T6 in Jackson at Sanderson Farms. Yep. And, and and he's sitting out there at 33 to 1. So this is a guy who's been circling the drain a little bit, right? Will Gordon, who was the darling last spring, he was sort of the Will Zalatoris of last spring, a guy who, who found his way into some events through sponsor exemptions and earned enough points to, to, to get special membership. Um, he's 
sitting in this tournament um, as an example of a guy who, you know, we've seen start to show up on our radar screen. We've been waiting for them to come back. There's a third guy who has been around for a while, but has been out with an injury for a while, Wes Bryan. And and Wes Bryan has uh, led the field in strokes gained approach over the past 24 rounds. Yeah, and, I, I have. I've been on West Bryan. He's he's been at the bottom of of a handful of my DFS cards because he, it, the price is right, and he's got you know a quality golf game ball yep, striker. Yeah, and, and so so he has been sneaking up leaderboards of late, and he's sitting out there at sixty six to one. So so we're having fun with some of the entries into this field, but you know it's a lot harder to bet when all because of so much quality at the top. It's a lot harder to bet. Of I think the Masters is going to be a tougher, tougher bet than Bermuda, where you know that Tommy Two Gloves is not going to win this tournament. Doesn't seem like he's going to win this tournament. I'm interested in in a guy. Speaking of friends of the pod, what do you have for us for for the homie Max Homa, who uh, is is flying to Bermuda, uh, probably already there. Yeah, well, he he's playing Augusta, uh, and it's going to be a special, obviously. Uh, moment for him. He's going to be playing without his caddy this week. Okay. Um, just because getting to Bermuda, I mean, look, a lot of the reason that some guys aren't there is the, the testing protocols this week are really stringent in Bermuda. So the guys are having to go through a heck of a lot to get in and out. And there were some guys who looked at it and said, eh, you know what? Fly all the way across the country, you know, from, from LA, go do this tournament. Then I got to come back to Houston and then Augusta. I don't think so. So, so some people just dropped away. But for but for Max, you know, we haven't seen him in a little while, and I think he himself has said he needed a break and to do some work. And so, he'll have a guest caddy this week before he steps back up and and slings it around Augusta. Max is the kind of guy who you would expect to be able to break through uh, at a tournament like this with a field like this. Well, I uh, want to like just touch briefly on a, a few of the old guys. I feel like we now have an obligation to just mention. I agree. Some of the old guys that that because this is, we 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 have a trend. We have an official trend now, and and by old we mean anybody from thirty seven, age thirty seven to age fifty, because Huddy Swafford uh, won at age thirty seven uh, down in 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 uh, Punta Cana, right? So uh, let let's in that category. Who do you have on your dance card? Of the old guys? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's probably Charlie Hoffman. You've been riding Charlie. I I have. But again, let's just go back through it. T13 at the Northern Trust. T14 in the Dominican Republic, which is not a course too different from this one. T6 in Jackson, Mississippi. So he's been around... And Charlie Hoffman always shows up in the first two rounds of the Masters. So That's true. This is the moment pre-Masters when his game seems to always round into shape. He's definitely playing this tournament to get ready for it, uh, even though he's probably not in the field. So that was a dumbass thing to say. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. maybe it's just, maybe it's just the smell of the Masters that's getting Charlie ready. Uh, but but this is when you know I, I, this is the kind of tournament you could see him him playing super well. And he was a little disappointing in Vegas, but that's because it's Charlie Hoffman in Vegas. Come on, it's it's, it's his home, and and we know he he was a part of a few bed shit rounds. Uh, yeah, while in yeah Vegas. That, that's so, exactly right. Let's so, be, let's just call it the way. We, we, so it's thirty five to yeah thirty five to one. A guy who's playing decently well. I don't mind Charlie Hoffman. 
Well, I'm worried. I, I don't want to break my rule immediately. I, we set the line at thirty at, at age 37 or older, but I have a guy that's 35. So not ex- he's been around for, for a while. Um, I like Russell Knox, uh, ah. kind of, sort of. I think he, he finished inside the top 10 at the Safeway in September. Uh, he had a 63 in one of those rounds. His shots gained. He's been uh, shots gained approach has been, you know, trending in, in the right direction. Um, he gained 4.1 strokes at the Shriners and he has a nice track record at these short coastal courses. So this uh, Bermuda event, I mean, the, 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 the longest they can make the golf course is like 6,800 yards or so. And the wind has to be up. But he's got, you know, good finishes down in Mexico. He's got a top 20 uh, down at Sea Island. Um, he's He was uh, second at the RBC Heritage in Harbortown. So, and, and he's got good performances in Hawaii. And he finished uh, inside, he finished 11th uh, here in uh, Bermuda last year. So mm. just a guy, you know, if you're looking for somebody, maybe he's a like a nice top 20 player. You could probably get some decent odds. On, on Russell Knox uh, at, at that kind of uh, um, resume. Mm, maybe you've convinced me. Oh, okay. You, well, you, you, like, you like him over Henrik Stenson. Well, Stenson, you can't really get any value for. I mean, Stenson can win this golf tournament. Um, and if he's, I don't know what kind of uh, form he's in right now, but like Stenson, if you want to bet Stenson to finish in the top 20, it's plus 140. It feels like it, it's more fun to but, bet Russell Knox and get plus two twenty, better than two to one odds for Russell Knox to finish in the in the top twenty. I wonder if there's reports of something happening with with Henrik Stenson. He's available right now at thirty five to one. He fits this category of old older guy that we like, champion pedigree, uh, major winner. Henrik Stenson, all of a, that at that price. Now you've got my attention. This just is a function of a diluted field, buddy. Because if you're, if it's not Stenson, you know, Doug Gim is probably not going to win this thing. Uh, you know, Duffner's down there at a hundred to one. So I, I don't know. It, 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 it's not the worst bet in the world. That's, I mean, Doc Redman is is fourth on this list at at twenty. He's available at twenty five to one. I like maybe I might t- do a sprinkle of Doc Redman and. Uh, my man Henrik Stenson here, that that like covers a nice age range. Doc um, is good on on shorter courses. Uh, he ball striking, yes, exactly. And, and right. if it's going to be thirty two mile an hour winds, like that's what you're going to need this week. So that's probably why you see Emiliano Grio up there, why you see Doc up there, uh, and some of the other guys at the top of these at, at the top of the you know Christopher Ventura for sure. The yeah. question is, can they are they going to be able to 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 putt? Well, that that is the entirety of of the question. Um, you're going to be shocked to hear that the everything there is Bermuda grass uh, in Bermuda. So stunning, uh, guys who could putt well there. Nate, I think we've done it. Um, I'm looking forward to watching this weirdo golf tournament over the Halloween uh, weekend, interspersed with the other great sporting events on the on the calendar right now. Um, but really, I'm starting. I went into my uh, attic and pulled out my master's container because it's time to start wearing the green. It is. I've got the flag ready. I'm watching Brooks Kepka's Instagram story, which is just incredible if you haven't seen it. I think they turned it, I think they post the whole thing on YouTube because you can get to know the guy better than we ever have. It's just awesome. 
so I'm getting I'm getting fired up. We got this week, which isn't going to teach us a lot about Augusta. No. Ne- next week in Houston, we'll see DJ and Brooks. So there'll be a little bit of tuning up there, but it's such a bomber's paradise. You know, who knows? Uh, and then the colors, the majesty, the tournament. It's it's going to be incredible. I can't wait. Hey, Nate Dog. as we wrap this up, I do want to give a very quick shout out. We, ha- we, we give this guy a little bit of a hard time because um, it's, it's kind of fun, but he's got all the talent in the world. And, and Tony Finau played his ass off yep. at Sherwood after a COVID diagnosis that he um, uh, was very candid about the hit that he took physically. It really wiped him out. And he ga- came out and gave an interview to the press that, that where he was like, this really knocked me on my ass. This is a serious thing. He still can't taste or smell food, but you know, he, he, he played really well uh, at, at Sherwood. So I just want to pass along continued well wishes to, to Tony, he thinks that he contracted it. Um, he, he caddied one of his kids' uh, golf tournaments, and he thinks he was in contact with with somebody, and that's where where, where he got it. So, like, you know, he's tr- out there trying to do a good thing with his family and spend some family time. But I just admire. I want to pass along because we give him a hard time with top five Tony and top ten Tony. My my kudos to him both for coming out and playing great golf, but also for uh, being so candid about his experience with the the virus. Absolutely. One of the winners from the past week. Absolutely. All right, there we go, my birdie buddies. That is all there is about the Zozo and about Bermuda. We'll back next week. We're going to break down whatever happened in in Bermuda and the funks, uh, and we will really be previewing the Masters uh, as we enter into the, the final tournament preceding that, which will be in Houston. Until next week, my par-saving pals, please, let's head them straight out there. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.